This podcast features three supposed adults who definitely use adult language. They're also supposedly writers who are definitely not procrastinating by making this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to No Bad Ideas, the storytelling game show where we take the worst ideas on the internet and try to turn them into stories that are actually good. My name is Gabriel Urbina, and I am your first Bad Ideas host. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm your second Bad Ideas host. And I'm Zach Valenti. Your... Nope, nope, nope. No, just kidding. The, no, this, don't do that. This is uh, Gabriel again. Zach, dear listener, sends his very, very, very sincere apologies, but he's still um, occupied elsewhere the way that he was a couple of weeks ago. Yes. But we have found another truly, truly exemplar set of people to take his place as our third hosts today. As and our fourth. special guest hosts. Yes. Bonus. We are joined here in the virtual studio by Chris and Jen Sugden, the creators and head writers of Victoriosity. How are you guys doing today? Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, very good. Thank you. How are you doing? Excellent. We're doing great. I'm doing great. Now we get to talk to you. We're very excited to have you on the show. We're, we're excited. Very excited to be here. Yes. Now we're, we, we, we really want to get to these bad ideas because you are both fabulous writers and storytellers, and we can't wait to see what you're going to do with them. But before we do that, just in case any of our listeners have not yet found their way to Victoriosity. And they um, are in for wanna, a treat. Yes, they are. Uh, do you want to just tell them the quick version of what the show's about? Yes, that's very kind of you to say. Um, Victoriosity is a detective comedy podcast set in an alternate Victorian past in 1887. And it is uh, begins with a murder and uh, ends up as a giant conspiracy of impossible proportions. Um, and a sort of a detective and journalist must uh, solve the crime, essentially. Exciting, exciting. <laughs> Uh, it is both one of the most thrilling and one of the funniest podcasts you will ever hear. Um, oh, thank very you. In no small part because said detective is played by previous No Bad Ideas guest star, uh, Mr. Tom Crowley. Indeed. Um, he is. Yes. We, well, it is one, yeah. Yeah, he is excellent. Tom is brilliant, as are the rest of the cast, who are insanely talented. Yeah, yes, it's uh, they are. I, I listened to Tom's episodes uh, of No Bad Ideas very recently. Tom has the... <clears throat> upsetting quality of being even funnier when he's just talking than when you it's write It's very things. distressing. Right, right. Unscri- yeah. Yeah. Unscripted Tom yeah. is somehow even better, right? Yeah. yeah. But sadly, can't can't call that a drama. <laughs> so we have to write things for him. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Not yet. Well, let's see what he does. Yeah, but yeah. It is a rip-roaring good time, and we recommend that everyone check it out. But before you rush off to hit that subscribe button on your podcatchers, uh, we have a little bit of work to do here. We um, do. This is No Bad Ideas, the show where we find some uh, record of some terrible things that people have done and try to figure out how we might make them into the pitch for a good movie or a good book or a good comic book or a good, like, cave drawing somewhere really, really ancient. But it always begins with some really, really bad ideas that someone had. Are you guys ready to dive into our first bad idea? We oh, are. Yeah. Yes. Sure. <clears throat> and I'm dead set on a pitch for a cave painting. I'm just putting that out right now. <laughs> all right. This is, it's going to be interesting with this one. Let's see how that works. Uh, all right. So our first bad idea that you're only going to have 10 minutes to sort out. And uh, dear listeners, if you would like to read along, there's going to be a link 
to this article in the episode description um, comes from our dear friends over at the Huffington Post. Are you guys ready to uh, jump in? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. The headline reads, British man changes name after getting drunk in lockdown. (laughs) Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of hoping it was just British man changes name and the Huffington Post had sort of absorbed itself into the most banal thing it could possibly find. <laughs> it was a very slow news weekend. Right. Okay. They've perfected it with their algorithmic headlines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. British man changes name after... After getting drunk during lockdown. Okay. But the mm-hmm. question is, what did he change the name to? So, the article reads, A British man formerly known as Thomas Dodd, has changed his name to Celine Dion. And it's all coming back to him now as to how it happened. Good job, article writer. Good job. Dodd told Birmingham Live that he had a few too many alcoholic beverages while watching a recording of a Dion concert and filed to change his name as a result. Quote, I am slightly obsessed with her, I'm not going to lie, he said of the Quebec superstar singer. During lockdown, I've been watching a lot of live concerts on the TV. I can only think I've been watching one of hers and had a great idea after a few drinks. The 30-year-old hospitality worker lives in Tamworth, Staffordshire, and saw Celine Dion live in Birmingham back in 2019. Dodd says he received... By the way, I am not sure why this article is still referring to him as Dodd. It is very clear that he's a new man. This is unacceptable. Yeah, but Dodd says he received the official paperwork in the mail a few days after Christmas and apparently paid £89 for the change as well as multiple copies of the letter proving it's real. This is what I love, (laughs) that he apparently sprung for multiple copies of the proof. Mm-hmm. Dodd legally changed his name by deed poll and can use the new moniker on a passport, driving license, and other official documents. The new Celine Dion says he's not planning on changing it back right away. Quote, I'll figure it out, but I'm not <laughs> rushing to change it back. That's for sure, he told Birmingham Live. I tried singing Celine in the shower this morning, and I can assure everyone I haven't inherited her voice or her bank balance. A representative for the real Celine Dion herself did not respond to Huffington Post's request for comment, but we can assume she'll accept the tribute because that's the way it is. (laughs) All right. So man changes his name to Celine Dion. How might we spin this into a good story? Ten minutes on the clock starting now. Just so many ideas. Um, I, I, I... Excuse me, excuse me. How might we spin this into a good cave painting? I forgot parameters. Yes. I I mean, it's a tale as old as time. I I, I mean, I'd be surprised if the caves of Lufskow didn't already depict such a thing. Contain it. Yeah, Um, I think think we may get into um, some copycat business there, so we might need to pick a different medium. Uh, You might be right. Okay, we'll we'll flash forward. Fair, fair, fair. Jen, how close is Tamworth to where you grew up? Very close. Five miles. It's, no, it's, it, I did used to play hockey there. Um, yeah, it was probably oh, about. Oh wow, really? Yeah, it's probably about a half an hour drive from my parents' house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a 
it's a bleak place. Um, <laughs> but but with Celine Dion in it now. But, but, yeah, but this is the thing, and I'm just considerably think, brightened up. Yeah, I'm just thinking Thomas Dodd. Yeah, it's a you know in in Tamworth that is a very you know forgettable name and place. So right. like. I'm thinking, you know, this is this would probably be one of the most exciting things that's, that's happened in some time. I, I would think. Um, so, I'm I'm torn between personally whether we zoom into the event itself of him going sure. like like a Hangover trilogy thing where you know somebody's on a bender and we just watch them go through the process of the bureaucracy involved in this. Mm. Although the the sad truth is that. Things like this paperwork in the UK are quite digitized recently, so that's not mm. going to be a very interesting mm. sequence of events. There's not. It no can need. be a period piece. Yeah. Selena's been around oh. for a while. Uh, it's true. Um, the nineties, but still as fantastic as ever. Um, but you're right. It, like I think uh, somebody, sp- you know, going on a bender and then having to spend God knows how long, go just literally going through the motions and commit and you know following through with this decision and what that actually involves like in city hall or whatever but right. I, I i think no i my preference would be um i think you have to you have to have all of this done in the first three minutes right right a, a, sure. a, a pixar style <laughs> intro that basically does this this is the prologue right this is what this man has done um he is now celine dion and the rest of the film is the consequences of that action which have to presumably lead up to him understudying Celine Dion in Vegas, right? <laughs> to save the day, right? And it's, right and he's just, driven uh, out of Tamworth. He's driven, he's driven out, yeah, he's driven out to yeah. begin with, for sure, for sure. For right. sure, for sure. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'll just throw in this. What about a twist that happens a bit later? He gets to Las Vegas, understudying Celine Dion, yeah. and we discover that this has all been planned by Celine Dion, who wants to fade into obscurity. So she <gasps> selected him. She and, prince and paupers him. Yeah, and to <laughs> replace her. And she sees Thomas Dodd. Dodd in Tamworth, oh in God. Staffordshire. Okay. Great, okay. Shop, great shopping outlet for her at a okay. weekend. Okay, okay, but, okay, no, like, so, hold, hold I love on. this hold, so much. Let, let's Christopher Nolan this, because let's take a sensible idea and just keep going. Uh-huh. Right. What is she? She has already done that, right? Mm. The the Thomas Dodd, as we know him, already is Celine Dion. Yes. From he, she's already Prince and Pauper herself. Okay. And no, so I've gone too far. Into, <laughs> I've gone too far into the Nolan verse. Only Christopher there's, Nolan can do no this. Way back. No, I don't. <laughs> All right, reverse. There are multiple Celine Dions. Uh, no, it's nothing. It's nothing. No, but I, I, I think I, I think I see what you might be getting at, where we think that, well, first, Jesus, the layers to this. Yeah. Yes. So first right. we think that it is just, oh, man went on a bender and did something silly while he was blackout right. out of his mind. Just a mm-hmm. surface reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Then we slowly, through a series of twists and turns, realize, oh, no, this is... Celine Dion somehow kind of manipulating events to switch places with this man so that she can live his life of obscurity. Yeah. Um, And we think like, okay, well, that's pretty twisted. Yeah. But then and only then do we realize that, oh, no, one moment, the switch had already previously happened. Like this had already kind of occurred in whatever I think at this point total recall style memory modification technology yep. Yep. had right. already kind of left them in their switch states. Yeah. 
I, I think that, I mean that's exactly right, right? I, I think you, we've got. I, to I have no idea how that was exactly right. That was no, no, no. Me, it's me. exactly right in box office terms, right? Because what we've got to go, we've got to leave the art on the floor, okay? And we've got to think. You want some, you want people to be walking out of the theater with their mind blown, and when right. when they're driving home, thinking, "Wait a minute." That didn't make any sense at all. Why did any of that? That's happen? how you know you've yeah. succeeded. That's how you this know is, you've got a box office smash on your hands. This is a this is a good moment for me to take another moment to tell listeners to listen to Victoriosity, produced and written by Chris. Leave the art on the floor, Sugden. <laughs> following having, having said all of that, don't scrutinize it too, too much yeah. in terms of plot points, people. Yeah. Um, Turns out Tom Crowley yeah. is all character. That's what we reveal at the end of the show. That's the twist that makes the Tom entire Crowley story redundant. is Thomas Dodd right. and exactly. Celine Dion. Exactly. God, it would all it would all hang together if Crowley was involved, wouldn't it? Yeah. This is clearly an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. This is what happens the moment before Tom Crowley dies. He hallucinates this. Uh, Celine Dion swap. Um, it, it, it does. It does smack of hallucination quite a lot. This whole thing, doesn't it? It does. Um, yes, yeah, Sarah. What do you? What? What's, what's your take on it? So I think that if we're, I, I'm struggling to hold back the part of me that wants to sort of bring in uh, a supernatural element to kind of explain all this. Celine Dion obviously has made a deal with a, a witch at some point in her life. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. In yeah. The the swamp, the notorious swamps of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> is that just Celine Dion? It's actually thirty-five flow. different people. Yeah. No. And she. So like she and and this gentleman in England like actually switch bodies. Right. And I guess where I'm going with this is just ripping off uh, this wonderful Japanese film called Your Name a lot, where they start getting flashes of each other, one in Vegas, the other in Tamworth, uh, and are driven to uh, to meet and swap back. And maybe they swap again. I'm not sure how many swaps right. there should be. Yeah. No, and I think that kind of like the fork in the road is whether one of them is engineering this or if yes. it's yes. something that's happening. Because I think that there is the version of this where inexplicably one day they both wake up in their respective corners of the world and find that they are slowly transforming into each other. And slowly kind of, you know, getting more and more of each other's memories. Yeah. And this is kind of like, you know, seeing them somehow find each other and deal with this as they, you know, first furiously work to stop this and then kind of come to grimly accept this will just happen no matter what they do. I think that that absolutely could work. In fact, I think that I've seen a cave painting much like that. But <laughs> yeah, I think that that's kind of like the crux of it, whether one of them is engineering it yeah. or whether it is forces from the great beyond. Yeah. And, and and do is it is it a redemption? Is it like you you, you end some like because it doesn't a switching story effectively end always? I'm going to say all all switching stories end with people going back to their original selves and uh, having learned and been happy that actually things are you don't you, yeah it's, it's not actually of, yeah you don't want to yeah. be Celine Dion. It's it seems great, but there are consequences. Of like like for example, having to sink. The Titanic theme tune. Yes. Sure. Yes. Every, every yeah. night. This, um, this is a good moment to say that obviously the title of this movie is It's All Coming Back to Me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It does unless, unless this is unless we want to sort of have them have them meet and try and if if 
you know, the circumstances are unclear and one of them isn't engineering the, this, they have to sort of explore and journey uh, to sort of find the source of it. And then it could be I drove all night. Mm. Yes. Yes. I'm going to assume that's a song because of the way that you said that. Um, But I I sadly don't know enough about (laughs) Celine Dion myself. But you're right. I mean, figuring out what on earth is doing this is also a great story. It is. Who would be doing it if not Celine Dion herself? Who else has that sort of power? Yeah. What? 33 seconds, now yes. 27. Okay, oh, so, oh, right. So, yeah, so it keeps, it keeps changing. Dion. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know. Goldman Sachs? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Cracked it. Capitalism is a yeah. fault. Very good, very good. <laughs> Who sponsored her show? Who sponsored her show? It's all to do with the big worried, money the They're worried she's running out of steam. They need a guy from Tamworth. He's got, he's got Midlands energy. He's coming up. He's, he's, got, he's, got the, he's got the booze. He's ready to go. Yeah. And time. Right. That Birmingham authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what that's that's what Celine needs to really, you know, yeah. bring that spark to her show that's been missing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the Midlands energy. That Midlands energy. <laughs> she doesn't have it, and she needs no. it. Oh, well done, guys! That was tremendous. Very, very oh, nicely done. Good, good teamwork. Well, good teamwork. I hope, I hope wow. Celine Dion's plural are both okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I I expect the original Celine Dion is quite smashing, actually. Unaffected, yeah, she's probably, yeah. by any of this. But yeah. Well, I have uh, something that has nothing to do with Celine Dion, kind of unfortunately. And this article, dear listeners, if you want to read along, it comes from Rolling Stone and a link will be in the episode description. I saw this on Twitter and did not know that I would be bringing it to you, Chris and Jen. So I apologize on behalf of America for uh, <laughs> oh. what, I am, what I am about to, to read to you. All right. But, quote, the dumbest guy in Congress asks U.S. Forest Service if it can change the moon's orbit. That is a bad idea. Right? That's the kind of thing that kills everything on the planet, isn't it? Well, yeah. this is an open question. Uh, Representative Louis Gohmert, uh, who is from oh. Texas. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Who uh, admitted recently that some consider him the dumbest guy in Congress, appears intent on proving those people right. On Tuesday, the Republican congressman asked a representative of the U.S. Forest Service tasked with managing America's national forests and grasslands if the agency might consider branching out, so to speak. Quote, I understand from what's been testified to the Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management that you want very much to work on the issue of climate change. I was informed by the past director of NASA that they found the moon's orbit is changing slightly, and so is the Earth's orbit around the sun. We know there's been significant solar flare activity, and so is there anything the National Forest Service can do to change the course of the moon's orbit or the Earth's (laughs) orbit around the sun? Required. This is a really weak. This is a really weak start to a James Bond movie. I have to yes. say, like you know, he 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 furthered offered uh, obviously that would have a profound effect on our climate. End of sentence. <laughs> um, yeah, it is true. Yeah. <laughs> the article that goes on uh, that the moon is currently drifting away from the Earth at the rate of roughly three point eight centimeters per year. Yes. Speed that has fluctuated for the last. Um, 4.5 billion years or so. Uh, and though Gomert didn't say it outright, it's also true that the speed of the, quote, lunar retreat 
as scientists called the phenomenon, has at times co coincided with the major changes in Earth's climate, like the melting of the glaciers. But it's changes to Earth's climate that cause fluctuations in the rate of the lunar retreat, rather than the lunar retreat causing fluctuations in the Earth's climate. Which is another way of saying, if the Forest Service efforts at combating climate change were so wildly successful that they managed to stop the melting of the Earth's glaciers and its tracks, those effects could theoretically, have an impact on the moon's orbit. Mm -hmm. But it was unclear what Gomert hoped the Forest Service might be able to do <laughs> at this juncture about the complicated gravitational dance the moon and the Earth have been locked in for several million millennia. It's also like, among many other things, like, it's, boy, it's a good thing that that moon is American, so the Forestry <laughs> yeah. Service has... We put a flag on it, yeah. so it is ours. I'm pretty, pretty sure it's the only country that's ever been... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably still American. <laughs> Must be, um, right? Maybe right. we should check. <laughs> still, Jennifer Eberlin, uh, Associate Deputy Chief for the National Forest System, did her best to humor Gomert's inquiry, very nearly keeping a straight face as she answered, quote, <laughs> I would have to follow up with you on that one, Mr. Gomert. Uh, the Texas Republican, for what it's worth, seemed open to waiting for an answer. Quote, yeah, well, if you figure out a way that you and the Forest Service can make that change, I'd like to know. So I would like to know, I'm going to put 10 minutes on this timer, what you would like to do with the moon's orbit. Timer starting now. This has got to be a disaster movie, right? It has to be. It has to be. <laughs> and you've got to start with kind of like, you know, a boardroom, people, you know, saying that you know, climate change has yeah. reached a point where it's a critical point. And then like you eight, can, eight mm -hmm. to ten scientists and politicians who are in charge of the world. Um, just yes. in that room. World government. Yes. World government. Yeah, yeah. Yep. World government. And then cut to a, a, a sort of park ranger or worker for the forestry commission yeah. or whatever it is in the states and uh, <laughs> uh and just on his own with the trees doing tree management he's yeah. he's left mm -hmm. his work in the in the city behind yeah. he's put that behind mm -hmm. him maybe got some personal yeah. problems probably has some personal problems yeah maybe. not so close yeah to he it. probably had a relationship that didn't work out yeah. and now yeah. he's just alone with the trees but a good yeah. a good guy fundamentally <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, generic Looking probably yeah. sort of mm -hmm. and 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 the moon. He's no Thomas Dodd. We know he's, that he's no. no he hasn't got the Midlands energy. Who, who is who is a Thomas Dodd? Um, um, you not even him anymore. No. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and and what what have the scientists worked out that the moon is indeed fleeing from Earth? It is. It is. It fleeing. is. It's, it, in yeah, just wants to get as far away. Centimeters as Centimeters a year. Centimeters a year, but they add up. To inches they first, do. and then larger distances. <laughs> um, and and I, well, I, I think we have to commit in this film, uh, again, leave art on the floor, we have to commit to the idea that this politician <laughs> is right. He, he's completely yes. right. Oh, okay. He is 100 okay. He's the only one who can see Climate through the fog. Climate change is the fault of the moon. It, he, 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 like, people don't want to say it. They want to say that it's gasoline that it's or, our fault. Or, yeah. or trucks or cargo ships or whatever. But it, it's, it's not. Moon. It is the moon. And that's the only way we're going to fix it. And we're going to fix it with trees. <laughs> we have to plant trees on the moon so that it, it creates an oxygen-rich environment okay, and so the moon stops. So the crux of his oh. plan is not altering the orbit of the moon. It isn't pushing it further away or bringing it closer. It is planting trees on it, which I guess would have an impact on the orbit of it yeah i, I, I like it well it, because I, how do you get the trees there how do you 
How do, this you, is, how do they grow? You bring the moon closer, and then you have to push the moon further away. No, but this is where the grizzled team of tree planters yeah. led by Bruce Willis. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Exactly. Yes. He, uh, he, it's only with his forestry knowledge that they are able to successfully plant a forest of trees that are able That's to right. grow without oxygen or soil. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or water. Correct. Yeah. Right. right, because you have but to know have a lot to about do it. trees. They have to get up there and get them planted and get them yes. rooted before the moon drifts too far away. Ooh, and then you could have a problem because there actually is water on the moon, so uh-huh, the water could uh-huh. like actually be detrimental to the it, trees. They're oversaturating these uh, dry environment, uh, no oxygen exactly. plants, like yeah, overwatering a cactus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's... Those liberal eggheads messed up. They didn't have that in their calculations. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he's so... got to go up there. And sort it out okay, by so hand. What? what, what, what? <laughs> oh, no. I thought, yes, yes. I, was, I know I meant Bruce Willis, but now you've okay, said right. it. Louis Gomertz has to go himself. Go. They're, who's, both, who's, they're both going. Who's playing him? Who's what? The politician? Yeah. Um, is I, I was going to say Alan Alder. He can make somebody detestable likable. <laughs> he's very versatile he's, he's done that before yeah 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 okay so but how does this relate to the is bruce willis the the person we we cut to at the beginning we see in the forest yeah he's with the with with you know problems and i think i think i think you have to you have to pair up a down on his luck forestry worker who can mm-hmm. make these trees work in space Mm-hmm. Uh, with trees. with a politician that knows more about science than any and collectively all scientists. Yes, sure. And sure. together, together they can they can do it mm. um, on a two seater rocket. Matchup we've been waiting for. It's the matchup we've been waiting for. So. So yeah. this sounds to me like Ryan Reynolds and Morgan Freeman. We just move them from those bodyguard <laughs> movies into this. Yes. No, is Morgan Freeman involved in those bodyguard movies? He's involved in the second one. Oh my God, Morgan, come. Yeah, anyway. I'm not going to make Sam Jackson do this. No. But we've got to have, so so we've got the, you know, they they, they get up there initially, the scientists, the liberals, they, they put the trees there, they're, they're confident. They mess it mm-hmm. up because mm-hmm. they haven't done their calculations yeah. properly. Yeah, okay. Okay. They, then, then we have to get uh, the politician and the uh, lone tree yeah. person space up there, tree space yeah. tree man up yes. there to sort it out. But they, they've got to have a dark moment, haven't they? They've well, got to have, the, you know, yeah. what, what's there? Do, do they have a personal relationship? Like the, the guy that's now a forestry worker just out on his own somewhere, like, did, did he used to work with Louis Gomertz and they had a falling out and now Louis Gomertz knows this is the only forestry worker who can help them. So he has to go out and convince him to come out of retirement I... for one last or forestry. He tried, to, he tried to marry Louis Gomertz's son or daughter and the relationship didn't work out. Oh, I think oh, yeah. I think that that's probably part of it. And I think that he's success. I think that I'm even more interested in the version of it where it was a successful marriage. But at a certain point, the politician promised this park ranger that there would be funds to preserve this national mm. park. Oh. But then oh. once he got into power, yes. it was like, we got to think about the bigger picture. Yeah. You know, we yeah. cut down one forest over here. We save things later on. And so now when he's coming back to this forestry man and kind of going like, I need you to help me save the world. Yeah. Forestry man still in my head played by a very grizzled Bruce Willis sure, is sure. kind of going, I know what your help looks like. Yeah. I know. yeah. Screw you, buddy. Yeah. There's just a complete lack of trust, but the yeah. world is ending. So they need to work together. They got to do it. It has to overcome personal animosity for the sake of the world. 
Um, yeah. And that, that is yeah. also the basis of all stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I don't quite get is the last act of how they actually solve this problem on the moon. I think it's important that we don't try and make it too much make it make scientific sense even if even if we could even if we could i think i think it's got to be what 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 are you suggesting it was there is it the weight of the trees changes the orbit like literally the sheer bulk of wood turns the 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 it changes the drift and the drag coefficients (laughs) yeah yeah. it's it's very scientific uh the way that the weight is distributed uh, on the moon affects its orbit for sure that's just the level that we need i think yeah yeah, I've got a good end, I think, okay. which is okay. that... It doesn't um, work. <laughs> no, it, that it does work, and but, but what they discover is that now the, they've by the trees, they've made the moon habitable as a, as, oh. as, as a place. And, right. uh, and Grizzles Bruce Willis is offered, along with, you know, the, 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 the leaders of the world, the six leaders in the room we had at the beginning, a space a spot on that, in the on new, that first shot. In the uh, yeah. new Doctor Strange You can go, esque. our planet yeah. is going to die soon you can come and live in this escape on yeah with, escape to the moon and he and he gives right. it up to to look after his national park he stays mm. oh goes down with the ship well, as right. uh, does does most of earth re, re, resettle on the moon i imagine that at least a, a chunk of earth would yeah then, yeah saves saves some people he's, he's pe- gonna yeah. stay here to try and save there's uh, a critical point yeah. he's yeah. gonna right, right. He's gonna, yeah, try, and he could just have like a, a last shot of him just planting a sapling. And I think that this is a nuance that may be important. That whatever horrible cataclysm gets unleashed, it isn't the entire world is guaranteed to be destroyed. It is just the Earth is about to become a lot less habitable. It's about yeah. to be right. so yeah. much more difficult to live here. There's going to be more tornadoes, more tsunamis, more earthquakes, yes. more yes. firestorms. <laughs> More Sharknadoes. Who in their right mind would try to stay behind? Right. And this man yeah. sort of goes... Grizzled Bruce Willis would. I, I would. Yeah. But yeah. Do, I but believe, does, I believe in, in the Earth. But does, does that effect of moving so many people and so much industrial activity onto the moon not itself actually solve the problem of climate change on earth <laughs> I, I think i think, I think that the, about it too much chris the, sorry, sap, sorry. the planting of the sapling at the end is surely some heavy-handed metaphor for life regenerating oh, surely yeah yeah 100%. okay okay mm. that's true mm. saplings do mean life you that, put you put a sunrise you put a sunrise behind that yes you know yes. people are not they're, they're not missing that yes Symbolism. Excellent. Mm. Good. Maybe, maybe there, maybe he's doing this outside of uh, some ancient cave paintings, so you sort of see the whole trajectory of, yes, of, of a human of, experiment. Amazing. <laughs> maybe in the cave painting, someone is planting a tree. Oh yes! Now that that is beautiful. that that is beautiful. That no, is we don't have cinema. to leave the art on the floor at all. No, that's <laughs> exactly. You have to pick it up and put it in the film at the end as a heavy-handed visual metaphor. For something mm-hmm. to do with yes. a cycle about something. Yeah. We'll make millions. Well, that is time. Excellent. Nailed it. I think we've cracked it. What would this be called? I've been trying to think of a good tree pun for a while. Oh. Uh, make like a tree and leave. I don't know. Oh, no. Ooh, oh, yes. Well, I... I that kind of works, doesn't it? Some, or something about the moon. I'm trying to think of training. Moon. I was, I was yeah. thinking when you said this was like a terrible Bond film. Good it, night, it just... moon? Question mark. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, uh, what if um, Bruce Willis's character is called Will, 
And it's uh-huh. called something like Weeping Will Loan <laughs> or something, because he's on his own. And it's a tree. Uh-huh. It's a tree, because Weeping tree. Willow. Will, weeping Will yeah, Loan. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Weeping Will Loan. Is that the best that we can do for a name that's also no, the bad. name I'm of so a tree? I'm so sorry, I feel like I've let like, us are there not, Are there not people's <laughs> names that are sort of closer to tree? Maybe not. I mean, Rowan is a, is a tree and a name. But there you go. There you go. All right, uh, that's it. I'm getting my Wikipedia article of kinds of trees. We're going to crack this. Uh, You guys go a little bit on a break while we do this, but we'll meet you back here for the back half of the show, everyone. Sarah here. I am breaking into the show for just a second uh, to let you in on a little secret. There is a No Bad Ideas HQ. It's real. It exists. It's not just how we collectively refer to ourselves as a a group. Uh, It's a place on the internet, and it lives on Patreon. Our Patreon page is the hub for all the things that Gabrielle, Zach, and I do. Uh, It's where we post cool, exclusive mini-episodes of No Bad Ideas. It's where the archive of all of the shows we've ever recorded live. And uh, the money that we raise there helps us make awesome new things and continue making this show, of course, but also uh, helps us create new series like Unseen. We have a Midsummer special coming out. It's very cool. You should check it out. But the place to support us for all the things that we do is our Patreon page, it is the HQ of No Bad Ideas. And you can head there by going to nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. Again, that is nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. Thanks for checking it out. And let's get back to this episode. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to No Bad Ideas. We are still here with our special guest stars this week, Jen and Chris Sugden, the masterminds behind Victoriosity. Um, and we've covered some bad ideas in the front half of the show. Now we'd like to switch gears and talk about some good ideas, uh, specifically this work that you do and you do it so well. And we thought that we'd start with just... Um, We'd love to hear a little bit about what is Victoriosity's origin story. How did the two of you come up with this idea? And why did you decide that it needed or wanted to be a podcast? Well, okay, Uh, let's see. It is quite an old idea um, of ours. Uh, I think it was Was originally a podcast. No, Uh, it predates podcasts uh at the degree of popularity that we know them now i mean it's exponential isn't it but it, it was about 2009 <laughs> so like quite a while hey, ago that's still early days that's it that's pretty early days of podcasting Very isn't early it? Days. no it was originally written the, the idea was it was just straight up right as a book uh it was something i was trying to do myself uh, i'd had the idea of even greater london uh, as a concept mm. which do you want to tell the folks at home a yes. little bit about what greater london is or even greater London. Even greater London is a uh, is the alternate Victorian world's version of London, right? It's the principal difference between uh, that world and our own, which is that um, London has stretched and grown to encompass the entirety of the south of England. 
which is something that the idea came from a lot of different places. I I think um, Jen and I were doing grad school at the time. Jen's work was in uh, Victorian literature and in particular detective and sensation fiction. My work was in uh, a branch of social sciences called science and technology studies. So a lot about Mm. sort of histories and contingencies of different technologies and sciences and how things can end up very differently uh, to how we uh, expect. And uh, it's not a single trajectory that people might think. And these ideas combined uh, with a lot of a lot of sci-fi on the shelf, a lot of H.G. Wells, and also the 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 idea that I think is kind of part of the British culture. I'm not quite sure how to express what it is. It depends where in the country you are. We don't live in London. We live in Oxford, mm-hmm. and I think it's fair to say there is a heavy cultural presence of London across. British society, right? Sure, That's sure. The, which is yeah. not uncommon in many many countries. I think the with a country like the US is slightly different because you have ten or more major cities of more than a million right. people, right? That's right. not so in the UK, right? There, there really is one. Um, there are a number of very interesting cities. I'm from Leeds in the north, which is a great city, but London is by far the biggest. And it's, you know, in the US, I think you have New York is a capital of, um, I guess, finance and uh, other industry. You've got LA and pizza. for and pizza. Yeah. <laughs> LA for and is pizza your, rats. And New York is a world leader in pizza rats, not even just a national leader. Uncontested. Uncontested. LA is your, clearly your entertainment capital. D and DC is your seat of government, right? Uh, and I'm sure there are more besides if you keep, you know, going down the list like that. All of those things are London in the UK, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very common view that uh, this leads to a um, a sort of a, a gigantic presence of London in in and across British society as as like overwhelmingly sort of. Um, important in good and terrible ways, right? Like leading to imbalances between the regions, leading mm-hmm. to people f- feeling um, neglected and left behind. And that that's had led to a lot of political change in the UK for sure. Right. So I think that idea in my mind, together with all the sci-fi and the science and the Victorian literature, um, just transformed into, well, let's, let's do it literally, right? L- literally yeah. a London that by virtue of the technological progress of this alternate history has literally grown unbounded, right? If, as if there mm-hmm. were, you know, London hasn't grown in the UK because of regulation and to be fair, the, the reality of population growth in actual countries. But we ima- I imagined, take off any of those constraints, take off any economic and technolog- technological constraint, and you could imagine that it just simply would grow as far as it wished to, and that would effectively just map, expand the cover room. half the country, right? It might as well. Um, it certainly wants to. So that was the initial idea, and there was, an, you know, the, the first sort of glimpses of plot were I had a, a detective character, I had the, the, the character's name is Archibald Fleet, um, that, that that came very early, and the uh, the image that it started with was essentially rushing towards this tower, this tower that's in the center of the city that beams electricity outwards in this sort of Tesla magical sort of like dream fashion uh, across the right. city and helps to, helps with its growth. He was rushing towards it effectively to prevent a, 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 a catastrophe, right? And that is an event that actually occurs in uh, season one. I, I won't say any more about it. Um, but that's something he's certainly trying to, uh, to trying to stop. It didn't go very far. 
initially writing it, right? Um, I think I certainly had a long way to go as a writer and I put it in a drawer. What happened following that was Jen and I started doing a lot of live performances, uh, comedy. Mm. We did a lot of improv um, in a group uh, in Oxford that we perform a lot with. Uh, this led on to sketch comedy because we wanted to try writing uh, writing some things out. Uh, Jen and I ended up writing a lot together. I mean, everybody in the group did, but Jen and I uh, lived together and um, uh, worked together, found that we could work together really well on things like that. And that writing turned into longer narrative theater, comedy theater, all comedy. And we did more and more of that. We went up to the Edinburgh Fringe a couple of times, had a good time, had some good runs. Met some brave souls. I know, right? Um, Met some Tom Crowleys along the way. Met some Tom Crowleys. Um, You brave souls. (laughs) (laughs) And after a couple of runs of that, we we actually had a a good, a really good Edinburgh run, um, considering we're not already on TV. Uh, which seems to be the what's required to have a very good Edinburgh run these but, days. These sure days. But we, we got away with it and had a pretty good run. Um, and we came back and we we basically, we wanted to do something else, so write some more uh, comedy, and we wanted to make it so that every time people, you know, every time we performed it, it wasn't, we have to somehow find our way across the country to wherever we're going to put it on. And we don't have book to tickets see, and, yeah. you know, do flyer people on the street all day to right. convince them they want to come to our show right. and the hope that they right. might be the kind what of the people that just would live. Like what if the show could it? just live? It could just be out there. And then we remembered about the internet um, and I think fantastical I th- thing the internet. There's a fantastical, magical, wonderful, terrible thing. And I think you know that it occurred to us. Um, this, we're still not in the realm of let's do a podcast, but it, but, but because we didn't know enough about it then, we, we thought more in the terms of what we a, a lot of us grew up with, which is radio drama, right? Yeah. Um, particularly in the uh, UK, an incredibly strong tradition of UK drama that has a, a you know like a shared experience across uh, across a lot of Brits. So obviously Hitchhiker's Guide goes without saying. And what was the production of The Lord of the Rings? That we Brian was... Sibley's yeah. Lord of the Rings, which is so oh, yeah. good. It's just wonderful. Like just wonderful, wonderful productions. Um, I think we thought, um, let's do one of those. Let's let's do a radio drama on the internet, right? Um, which we quickly learned was a fiction podcast. There are audio, <laughs> or there are audio dramas. We found uh, examples of this, uh, and what we thought, well, what can we do as this? And that's when we remembered about this old idea of um, even greater London. Let's develop this idea. Jen quite rightly tweaked it and suggested a second protagonist in the form of journalist Clara Entwistle. Um, so it's a two protagonist show. And from there, we yeah uh, started started writing it together. It was good, yeah. And we we started that very soon because we'd already been stopped talking about it. We started writing it very soon after we got back from Fringe in twenty fifteen, I yeah. think. And it wasn't that long after, and that's where we met Tom. That I think Wooden Overcoats might have released yeah. their first season. So that was again. I mean, that's such a fantastic show, obviously. That and and also things like Wall Three Five Nine. It's like, oh wow, people are doing this. It can be done. It can be done really well. Isn't this amazing? Whereas, it can be done. Well, we're still working no, on that. You're, it can be no, done. no, you are brilliant. Both of you are all all three of you are brilliant. So and that gave that was like amazing kind of encouragement. And we found a lot of support from, you know, the audio drama community and 
Um, obviously, Tom put us in touch with a lot of people, including Felix Trench of Wooden Overcoats, who was incredibly generous with his support and time. And he'd never, ever met us, but he read scripts. He had a Zoom call with us to give us advice. I mean, it's just... He's just like an example of like the generous people that exist in this space. He's a good one, that Felix. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and, and so many other people as well. And and that really gave us the kind of, you know, belief that, yes, we can we can do this. And we assembled the team. Well, and beginning, first of all, I think with, um, with Dominic Hargreaves, right, who is the producer uh, on, on Victoriosity. He's responsible for the, you know, the, the recording, the final product, and in particular, the enormous sound design responsibilities of the show yeah. right you know we we've we've imagined a extremely sci-fi or sci fantasy landscape that is deliberately and kind of explicitly difficult to describe and difficult we ex- explain it as being diff- almost overpowering for people to witness that they're in this city that's gone beyond the realm of like human understanding things like you look out the window and it just gives you a headache the, the city just stretches so far right so um giving him the task of uh helping this make sense um in audio form uh, dominic had worked with us on a number of these live shows before um, and was you know he has a, a huge background in live theater in you know production lighting sound design and he was really uh, interested in the challenge I think of a pure audio production mm-hmm. and yeah. um, went away and researched a lot of the sort of best practices on that and then when we turned up in the studio it was like you know he just ran the show like you know yeah, stand, you know, do this we need this kind of that's mic a dream one, yeah. yeah it was that's amazing. a dream you yeah. just write down complicated things and then another person makes them happen <laughs> that's, that's that's the yeah. life exactly exactly we can say this because zach valenti isn't here right now yes <laughs> <laughs> terrific um that's a great answer. That's in fact such a good answer that it knocked out about three or four of the following questions that I, know, I had that we had kind oh. of enveloped in it. Okay, well done, uh, Chris. Which is great. Gold star. Um, but here's something that I'm curious about because a lot of folks who are who listen to No Bad Ideas are either working or prospective writers themselves. There's often a lot of people that write in with questions about working collaboratively, working together with a team, um, and you two are as you just mentioned, a writing team. Every episode of Victoriosity, at least all the ones that I can find, have your two names as co-writers. That's right. You haven't listened to the secret Victoriosity episode? If there is a secret episode, I need to know right now. (laughs) It's just one of us, and it's wildly different. (laughs) (laughs) It's the blue version. Very blue. (laughs) Well, but I am curious about what is kind of that co-writing process like? Do you you know, kind of pick scenes uh, out of the episodes? Do you kind of like have one person write the first draft of it and the other person rewrite? Is it a little bit of everything? Is it a pot of chaos? Well, it's, it goes without saying it's a pot of chaos. It's definitely I mean, a pot it's, of chaos. Writing. Good, 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 good. We are somehow still married. Yes. That's very good. So yeah, that's well done us, I think. But it's... it's <laughs> How do we do it? So um, we plot together. We we plot. It is a comedy, but it's also like a legitimate yes, mystery. mystery. Like yeah, it no, is. Yeah, it has. So we, a yes, so we plot it out and, as and, though and it's a serious thriller. And each the two series we've done so far, um, they are effectively standalone stories. Right? Yes, like, well, yeah. the second one follows right. the first one in 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 time and and with some, in some factors, but they're they're standalone thrillers. Yeah, really. they are. And so we plot it out as though it's not a comedy. <laughs> Work out all the beats. We have um, big windows. <laughs> and it can be quite grim yeah. at times too. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. God. Yes. There's some very 
dark moments. But we have these big windows and walls and we get sort of sticky magnetic notes and we use those to to plot it out re- and get the structure really tight and the major beats down. And we'll then break it down into episodes and have like the major things that need to happen in episodes. Sometimes we'll think of characters and things together, but generally it's it, it tends to be, look, we, you know, we need this number of scenes and, and by the end of the episode, we have to have figured out this. Um, and well, then- I, I, I would add that at the same time as our post-its that are mapping out the plot, we have post-its on the other side of the room. If you see our our house it's just covered in post-its a yes, lot a lot, a lot of the time everyone. like if we're if we're writing it's covered in post-its it, so a, a, a different wall is covered in um a candy drawer I, I think people call it like just a bag of ideas right we don't know where they're going yet we don't know if we're going to use them all we're probably not going to use them all but we're going to throw them on the wall right because we like them we like <laughs> we think they're fun right uh-huh. so the the Interesting characters that we think it would be fun to have. Interesting events, or occurrences, twists, or whatever that think it would be fun to have. And um, in particular, with the loca- with the with the setting, which is a fantastical setting, interesting locations. What in even greater London is a health spa in Cornwall? Right, like let's let's do yeah, that. Yeah. That would be an interesting new location. So we'll cover one wall with those things to then help populate mm-hmm. the other wall, which is the plot of uh, you know the actual beat by beat of what's happening. Yeah, so if beats. Beat by beats, and some, yeah. ca- and we'll we'll then sort of layer on like character arcs, not just Thetan and Clara, but any any sort of major players, and then we break it down episode by episode. We tend to, I'll take one, Chris will take two or something. We'll write them individually on our own, um, and then then all the episodes will get written, and then we will give our episode to the other person. Yep. We will then wildly <laughs> change it or edit it down. Chris tends to edit more carefully as he writes initially a first draft. I'm just to get it all down on the page. Like it's, you know, each scene is like, you know, about five times longer than it needs to be. And then I throw it, throw it at Chris sure, and Chris sure. just chops it all up down. Um, <laughs> and then we just well, kind you of... you reap and then you sow, you know? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Distill yeah. it to its pure... The cycles of the yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, but we... <laughs> and I eat the pickles. You eat the pickles. I eat the pickles. You eat the pickles. Um, whereas yours, I have a lot less to do on yours, I think, because yours are so carefully planned. <laughs> but um, so I win, I think. Um, <laughs> In terms of effort, game, yeah. that is yeah. what I'm hearing. Damn that it. is exactly um, what I'm but hearing. But then we come when we're happy. We've gone back and forth probably like a couple of times, and when we're happy that we can't individually work on anymore we will go through front to back we'll go through together line by line scene by scene what's Mm. missing does this work how can we change it discuss things and then eventually we'll take it to a table read with some i mean sometimes with um i mean like layla and tom for example layla katib who plays clara and whistle yeah yeah he's just fantastic uh, and but also um, other people who were very much involved like Nathan the director and other actors um, like for example Ida who plays Queen Victoria very well but they're part of our comedy group and our comedy writers as well and Tom is a comedy writer and we have a couple of friends who are novelists we'll, we'll get people who who write as well as us and we'll sit and have a table yeah. Dominic will be there uh, it'll be a range of people from di- with different skill sets and then we will just say like okay just tell us how bad it is <laughs> and um <laughs> and you know and then they'll you know they'll they'll give a, like really amazing feedback at a, a macro and a micro level i think and then from that we will t- take all the notes both of us go away again and think about like how much needs to change where it needs to change and dish out that work some of it will do independently if it's big changes 
and some of it we'll just do together yeah. if it's any little tweaks i, th- I think it yeah it's a it's a big process i mean um I, I this kind of goes back from our days like writing live comedy i know we learned later that a lot of people when they have a show that they're developing they'll start with half a show and see how that goes and then build on that to the whole show we tend to do we, t- we, t- <laughs> we tend to do almost the exact opposite and write twice a show and then cut it down to the best bits right uh, yeah, so right. do it. I mean, I knew we were all friends right? for a reason. Exactly, exactly. Um, so it, it's extremely high effort version of the process. But good, but, good, but, good, but good. I mean, and, and it, we'll then you know go through you know in different in different layers, right? Different editing lenses, right? Like, is it hanging together as plot? Is it hanging together as character? And then down to the absolute micro level of with a red pen, is this page? Does this page have anything funny on it? Is it driving the plot forward? Is it funny? Is it doing something characterful? If it's not doing any of those things, chop it down, chop yeah. it down, chop and then, it down. And then the down. final, right. final right. edit, which mm. I absolutely hate and find excruciating, which is, would this character use this word? Or, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. would, it, would we want to say it in this, like, this way? Would we want that word at the beginning or the end of the sentence? Which is good because it's that right, like, sort of final polish, but it's it can be rather excruciating well it's not even the final polish. the final polish is when we get into the studio oh. and uh peter ray the narrator points out that i've written something that is an american word yeah right? right like you know you can't use that word people in victorian and bluffs the he- i, I said the bluffs didn't i yeah i didn't i didn't even know or or nathan peter grassi wow. saying um this is bad grammar and then us fighting yeah. about it and eventually realizing he's right. He, he, he is he's right. right. Or he, he corrects that so classic. You, so, so you get two in one. You get performer and editor yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. for the price yeah. of one. It's really nice that you have these. It, we're very fortunate to have, um, yeah, exactly, this this feedback mm-hmm. that really goes right up until the wire. <laughs> and, no, and, and actually the actors sometimes are like, oh, I just feel like that character wouldn't say that. And they'll try something else and that'll oh. work as well. It's really good. I, I mean, that's true, right? We, we, have, we have the plot. We have the script as it wants to be, you know, as it as it is written. But but if on the day it's not working, right, and a and an actor has a better idea, then we will record that too, right? And yeah. we'll we'll try different things yeah. and and splice it together. It's you know it it's never really done until it's actually out on the on the on the feed, is it? That's very true. Now another thing that I know that folks that listen to the show are always very interested in are questions of world building and kind of presentation of the world to an audience. And I can think of very few people in the world of audio fiction that have set themselves a greater challenge in that department than the two of you, because you have something that is very intensely period, but also very intensely steampunk and science fiction, while also being blended in such a way to be completely unique. Um, And, you know, earlier in this conversation we spent even about five minutes just even describing the world of even greater london how do you think about world building as you kind of go through the story of victoriosity how do you think about how can you kind of present the information about the world to the audience um in terms of audio there's multiple ways i think we do a big big cheat which is we have a narrator to describe some of it Um, and i think we just about get away with it because um peter's got such a gorgeous voice to listen to 
just that smooth, velvety voice makes it all go down <laughs> but so it is, nicely. It's, it I is know. a big, uh, <laughs> big cheat. So that's that's a uh, that is a big way we get the world building, and that's certainly that I think was inspired by the book from. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that sort of pops in and explains bits mm-hmm. of that world. There's also obviously sound design, which is entirely down to Dominic, who is incredible uh, to give a sense of like the sounds of the world and this, and also through sound, the size of places mm-hmm. and also characters' reactions, I think, to things. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, I think, I think the thing that we've tried very hard to do is to make it a very unusual world, but still recognizable in many, if not most ways, right? Um, right. And, and that right. allows us to, and th- that kind of goes back to the original idea, which is that this is an advanced civilization. Not, not sorry, not civilization. It is a technologically advanced version of London from eight to eight, right? It, it is further right. ahead, in, in you know, in, in real and totally impossible ways. And that that what that has done is, and this again goes back to the interesting field of science technology does it, it it leaves people in with very different reactions about what's happening and different narratives about what's happening just as we have today right is the internet a good thing there's no there's no easy answer to that it's enormously complex right no right. it's 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 bad just bad it's, okay okay okay, okay. the easy answer it's bad the show is premised on the internet being bad so that's what we well, that, that is what we Fair have enough. to say okay. the, the car then the car yeah, right yeah, like yeah. you know it, it's it's we can't say it's a good or it has clearly you know benefits and and probably sure, sure. and i i think we approach um the idea of like the people in this city have this ambivalent attitude to everything that's happening around them right it's it, things have moved on in the last 20 years much faster that they can really get their heads around right and you have you know the trams float down the street on um it's hovering above copper uh tracks right um you know a- a- electricity is everywhere wherever you want it there are robe automatons they don't work wonderfully well they're extremely uncanny valley and kind of upsetting to to interact with but then you know it totally depends on who who's looking right so uh so Archibald Fleet is a detective. He has been a detective for some time in Scotland Yard. He presumably has lived there his entire life and finds it all a bit draining and challenging, right? And and a a nuisance in a lot of ways. Uh, Whereas Clara Entwistle um, is extremely positive and dynamic and is new to the city. She's come from Yorkshire in the north, outside the boundaries of the city-state of even Greater London. And to her... Um, at least to begin with, the, this is a fantastical sort of almost magical like city of incredible innovation and uh, exciting things. Yeah, we get to a little right. bit he or hear things through yeah. her eyes. Yeah, we hear through her yes. eyes exactly. It's like a theme park to her, right? It's like this is every round, every corner. There's something incredible. That it's it's through those th- sort of d- d- different angles, right? Like the narrator tells us. Not how it is, but certainly how the narrator thinks it is. And the narrator himself is kind of a sure. jaded, sort of tricksy character in the way he talks about things. Uh, Fleet is, is just, he's just trying to do his job. He is trying to solve the crime and just kind of be left alone by the city and the the, the, the terrible sort of tumult of stuff that it puts upon people and like puts on their brain. And um, Clara is doing the same thing, but probably enjoying it a lot more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think those are the ways we try and get it across. Yeah, as, as well as just like I guess thinking about like yeah, we, we said before like different locations and like what you know we want we want to kind of walk that line of it's recognizable but also 
very distinct. So like we'll take a lot of a lot mm. of things that are familiar and just put a twist on them. Like what yeah. is what is Buckingham Palace like in even Greater London? Well, it's a terrifying fortress that <laughs> right. It's <laughs> quite, quite scary. scary. Yeah. Um, yep. And yep. that you know that that is not an impossible thing to happen, right? You know, imagine a, you know it's eighteen eighty seven, but the, with the technology of many decades beyond that, right? Um, I mean, to be fair, the monarchy in 1887 is pretty scary enough in, in its own right, to be fair. But but I mean, <laughs> you know, like we kind of raise it to the surface um, uh, and tr- trying to make it physical. Um, and primarily we're writing a comedy, right? So we're looking for things that are absurd and um, uh, exagger- yeah, exaggerated. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's an amazing and thorough answer for an amazingly detailed, funny show. If people want to learn more about Victoriosity, guys, where should they go? How do they do this? Victoriosity can be found on victoriosity.com, which is uh, V-I-C-T-I-O-R-I c-i-t-y <laughs> dot com got it in one uh, i hope um, <laughs> uh, um or uh, better yet type it into a google uh, uh and it'll fix the spelling for you uh, so you can go to victoriousdot.com and listen to everything on the website or of course in any podcast uh player of your choice itunes spotify uh pocket casts whatever you listen to it is there uh, start from the beginning episode one amazing and if folks want to get more of you specifically not just your creations, but your thoughts, your writing. Is there places to do that? Uh, we have uh, Twitter feeds. We don't actually have a website at the moment. Um, you can find uh, us on Twitter. Jen is Jen Sugden. Um, yeah. I, I am sadly Chris Sugden, but with none of the vowels. Oh no, that is very sad. I know, because there's another Chris Sugden out there, and he doesn't even he doesn't even use it. He just doesn't. He posted one thing in 2016, and that. That was it. And it, not that it, it matters. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the truth comes out. Yes, I think find us on Twitter. And when we get around to setting up a website and actually listing other things that we've done, uh, that would be the best way to find out, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and also, can I just finally say, um, loads of the people involved in our podcast are also have their most amazing podcasts. People like uh, Tom Crowley, who we already mentioned, and Gemma Arrowsmith, Richard Soames, and yeah, yeah. there's if you, yeah, if you enjoy the show, then lots of people are involved in lots of other things. Beth Air, yeah, go, if yeah. you if you listen to Victoriousity and enjoy it, please read through the cast and credits. Basically, everybody involved has a show of their own or that they're heavily involved with or run. Please keep keep following, and there'll be good stuff. You are going to find some brilliant listening if you do so. Yeah. Jen, yep. Chris, thank you guys so much for being on the show and for um, valiantly going up against our bad ideas. We really, really, really appreciate it. And we've loved getting to talk and hang out with you. Thank oh, you. It's, it's been amazing. Terrific. Thank it's you so much for having us. Oh, such a treat. This has been No Bad Ideas, produced by Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti. Many thanks to our patrons for their partnership in making this show happen. And a special shout out to our idealist members, Jennifer Schneider, Rena Sarame, and Rebecca Allen. Today's episode features music by State Shirt and Jazar from freemusicarchive.org. You can support the show at nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And if you love this show, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks.